Hello and welcome to the Daisyland Masala podcast. Daisy is a word used to describe the peoples and cultures of the Indian subcontinent, especially in the diaspora. It derives from a Sanskrit word meaning land or country. Masala is a name used for a mixture of various kinds of ground spices that add flavor to Indian cuisine. It can also be used as a label for any mixture. Daisyland Masala is focused on the diverse peoples and cultures experienced in North America by those who are blessed with Daisy friends, co-workers, and neighbors. This is episode number 14, Academic Masala, and I'm your host, Andy Pierce. When I meet a Daisy in North America, my first in-depth question is usually about family. My second is often about their academic journey. India's education system is obviously very huge and very diverse, but Indians who come to North America are often products of very good schools in big cities. In ancient times, India had the Gurukula system of education in which anyone who wished to study went to a guru's house or teacher's house and requested to be taught. If the guru accepted the student, he would stay in the guru's home and help in all activities at home. This also this created a strong bond between the teacher or guru and student, but it also taught the student everything about running a household. The guru taught everything the child wanted to learn from Sanskrit, which is the ancient language of India, to the holy scriptures, holy Hindu scriptures, of course, and subjects such as mathematics or physics. The student stayed as long as he or she wished until the guru felt that he or she had taught everything he could teach. All learning was closely linked to nature and to life and was not confined to memorizing information. The British, however, brought the what is a, considered a modern school system to India in the 19, 1830s. The curriculum was confined to modern subjects such as science and math and so-called softer subjects or humanities were considered unnecessary, such as philosophy. Teaching was confined to classrooms and therefore very different from a system where a guru was the teacher. Universal and compulsory education for all Indian children in the age group of six to 14 was a dream of the new government of the Republic of India. And this is evident from the fact that it was incorporated as a direct policy in Article 45 of the Indian Constitution. But with such a huge population, and so many uh, children, it remains a challenge. And there's been a lot of pressure due to economic growth and a scarcity of skilled and trained teachers as well as funding. The school system in, in India was usually limited to state control. However, in recent times, the federal government in India has begun to coordinate standards of education. There's a national organization that plays a key role in development policies and programs called the National Council for Educational Research and Training. And that organization pre prepares a national curriculum framework, but each state has a counterpart as well. The school system in India has four levels. So when I meet a Desi, uh, they will often say that when they are in fifth standard, 
they were in such and such a school. And so the levels are lower primary, which is about ages 6 to 10, upper primary, which is 11 and 12, uh, high uh, high standard or high higher uh, uh, what we call high school, 13 to 15 years of age, and then higher secondary, which is 17 to 18. And again, uh, instead of grades, the lower primary school is divided into five standards. So fifth standard would be equal to fifth grade in the West. Upper primary school into two, high school into three standards, and then higher secondary into two standards. Students usually have a common curriculum, uh, although the regional uh, languages play a big role until the end of high school. There's some specialization at the higher secondary level. Uh, and again, in general, students uh, in India uh, often learn three languages in school, English, Hindi, and then, and then their state language. Although in some regions, Hindi is the mother tongue uh, in a region like a state like Tamil Nadu, the education would be in Tamil and English. So when I meet a Desi uh, in, in North America, I will often ask them about uh, which schools they went to. And a, a, an important question is also, was it an English medium school? So I've learned that some schools uh, teach the, the basics, teach the curriculum mostly in English. Others teach in the, the language of the state, such as Gujarati, where English is a, is a separate uh, class. There is standardized testing in schools across the country of India at the end of 10 years of school schooling, so after high school, and then again at the end of 12 years of schooling. And admission to 11th standard is normally based on the performance in this examination. So there are exclusive schools, a small number that follow uh, foreign curricula, uh, such as the senior Cambridge system. Uh, usually there's a, uh, a, a good infrastructure, a low teacher to student ratio. Uh, many of these exclusive schools have teachers who come from abroad. Uh, I picked up an Indian student at the airport last August who was from the Doon School, D-O-O-N, in uh, Dehradun, India. And uh, the fees are very high. They're usually boarding schools. And so that is a very exclusive school, but we're more likely to meet Desis who went to more exclusive schools in, in India uh, when they come to, and then they come to the, U, the U.S. or Canada. Uh, I've also noticed that there are quite a few Catholic schools uh, for women. They're often called convent schools. So uh, one of the highest quality schools in Ahmedabad, the biggest city in Gujarat state, is called St. Xavier's. So that's a Jesuit school. And occasionally I meet uh, a Desi who is from St. Xavier's, and that would be a top uh, school. Uh, it would be more expensive. It would be English medium. medium. Uh, one of my favorite uh, examples of education in India and, and the for foreign teachers is uh, Carlos Gonzalez Wallace, popularly known as Father Wallace, and is V-A-L-L-E-S. Remember, the V often sounds a little like a W, uh, to Hindi speakers. And so he was a Spanish uh, Jesuit uh, priest who came to St. Xavier's to teach math. And he ended up living in India for five decades and wrote ex extensively in Gujarati and on mathematics and had a regular column in 
a Gujarati newspaper, and he was a recipient of the highest award in Gujarati literature in 1978. and was also awarded a civilian medal, a civilian award called the Padma Shri uh, in 2021, just after he passed away, just short of his 95th birthday. And he wrote 75 books in Gujarati, 24 in English, and 42 in Spanish, also 12 books on mathematics, and co-authored a mathematics textbook series in Gujarati. Uh, one of the books that I read that I loved was called Pilgrim Among Hindus. And so he became a little bit uh, uh, tired of being isolated behind the, the compound, living in the priest quarters at St. Xavier's. And so he decided uh, one day that he would head out on his bicycle and uh, stop by a, uh, the home of the first, uh, the first home of a student that he came to and, and knock on the door and, uh, and he would knew he would be invited in. He knew he would be invited even to spend the night. So he would decided to spend a week with uh, a family uh, one week at a time. And then after the week was up, he would get on his bike and ride uh, to another home and he would stay there for a week. So it was an amazing, uh, example of the hospitality and the, the friendship possible with, with Gujaratis especially, and a great uh, book to read about what it's like uh, in a Gujarati home. So it's called Pilgrim Among Hindus, one of my favorite books. Uh, so as I said, each state has its own department of education, and there are different curriculums offered at the state level. And uh, but again, most of the, or many of the Desis who come to the U.S. will be from more exclusive schools in larger cities. And one, and so many also uh, will be from, uh, we will ask about their uh, higher education. So India has a publicly funded higher education system. It's the third largest in the world. And this would be the college and university and trailing the U.S. and China. Uh, but it's such a large population, the 2011 census uh, told us that about eight per, just over 8% of Indians are college graduates across the country. And uh, the, because of the population growth, the higher education system has expanded very, very quickly. And so uh, between, in the decade from 2000 to 2010, uh, there were 20,000 colleges and more than 8 million students added uh, in India that uh, during that decade. And so as of 2020, India has over 1,000 universities, and the, the breakdown is, is di there are different levels. 361 of them are private, uh, but 416 are state universities, and there are a number that are uh, called institutes of national importance that I'll talk about in a, in a minute or so. So... The colleges can grant their own degrees. Some of them have PhDs. And the emphasis in higher education is in science and technology. And so uh, an example would be the Indian Institutes of Technology. And so these were set up by the government beginning in 1951. And the original eight, or uh, original seven, I should say, are the highest ranked in India. Uh, so Indian Institute of Technology, IIT. Uh, the first one was IIT Kharagpur, K-H-A-R-A-G-P-U-R. Uh, 
and that's in West Bengal, started in 1951. Uh, IIT uh, Bombay in, uh, in Mumbai, 1958. IIT Madras, which is in Chennai, and I've actually been there uh, before. It's a beautiful campus, 1959 in Tamil Nadu. Uh, IIT Kanpur, which is in UP, Uttar Pradesh, 1959. IIT Delhi, 1961 in Delhi. IIT, oh, and that's, 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 uh, that's five. Uh, and so others are IIT Guwahati and Assam State. And now there are a total of 23 IITs. Many have been added recently, including one in, uh, in Gujarat called IIT Gandhinagar. That actually started in, in 2008. And I had a chance to meet the president of that university when he visited Caltech in Pasadena. And so I went to a seminar he was hosting, and it was fascinating uh, to talk with him about the challenge of recruiting professors. Uh, the capacity of these universities, the IITs uh, for undergraduates especially, is, is very low. Um, IIT Kharagpur, for instance, has uh, 1,673 uh, undergraduate seats as of 2020, and uh, that's one of the biggest. And so those are the IITs system. Uh, there's also... National Institutes of Technology. There's also Indian Institutes of Science and Indian Institutes of Management. I actually had a chance to visit IIM, Indian Institute of Management in Ahmedabad, a beautiful campus and uh, one of the most highly ranked universities in India. If there's an uh, interesting book uh, and movie where you can learn more about the higher education system, what it's like as a student, uh, the book is called Five Point Someone by Chetan Bhagat. And the movie based on that book, it was very, very popular, came out in 2009, it's called Three Idiots. So I recommend watching that. And it's interesting, Five Point Someone, I just, I, I learned something from the title that tells us that most or many of the Indian higher education uh, institutions uh, grade on a 10 point scale. So five point out of 10 is not very good. And that's where the title of the book comes from. Instead of a four point scale, like we have here in the US, it's a 10 point scale. Now, it's still a challenge in India that the universities are not ranked nearly as highly as universities in other countries. So according to the uh, QS World University Rankings, which is one of the three most highly regarded rankings of university, uh, the, the top ranked university in India is IIT Bombay at number 172. Uh, Indian Institute of Science, Bangalore, is ranked 185th. IIT Delhi, 193rd. IIT Madras, 275. And IIT Kharagpur, 314. 314th. And the Indian students uh, uh, and the uh, Desis that we meet who have come to the U.S. to work, they will talk about their experience in hostels. So instead of dorms, Indian High school students, as well as college students, will usually, if they don't live at home, they'll live in a hostel, which is basically a, a home or a dorm. It looks like a dorm, the one I saw in IIT Madras. And then there will be a central eating area, which is called a canteen instead of a cafeteria. And the Indians, uh, the Desis that I meet in North America uh, that have gone to school in the U.S. Uh, talk about the difference. Uh, in India, typically at, at university as an undergraduate, uh, an Indian student would go to campus maybe by 9 a.m. 
and be on campus until 5 p.m., all of his or her classes would, would be with the same group of students who are called batchmates. So the American system is very different where you're only on campus a short amount of time and you have different students in different classes. And many uh, Daisies, of course, will have experience as international students coming to the U.S. And so that's a whole other category, which we'll cover in the next episode. But again, as we meet Desis in North America and we ask about their education, it is a very important topic. And the more we know about the Indian educational system, the more we can understand and, uh, and develop friendship over that. So I want to thank my producer, Wendy, and thank you for listening to the Desi Man Masala podcast. Please follow on anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, or Radio Public. And until next time, goodbye.